Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent into Kingston, Jamaica. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also, this time, please put away all carry-in items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. Hello Culturama listeners, welcome to the show Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. With me I have in studios Miss Rosemary Ramit from Georgetown, Guyana. Hi Rose, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, first of all, tell us who is Rosemary Ramit? Well, apart from the obvious, well, I'm 23 years old. I'm an education student completing my bachelor's degree in education. I'm in my third year, about to start my final year, and I'm also a full-time and part-time teacher. Oh, anything else? Yes. Yes, I am visually impaired, and I acquired my disability when I was 13 plus. So it's just about 10 years that I have been living with a disability. All right, so tell us some of the challenges you faced growing up in your childhood with a person with a special need. All right, well, childhood was pretty typical for me. As I said, I acquired my disability at 13 plus. So prior to age 13, Mm -hmm. I was, I would use normal, I think. I was fully sighted. I had never had any eye complications before. I never even wore spectacles in my entire life. So I was at a um, mainstream secondary school and I was in second form, about to go into third form when I started having terrible headaches and then that later went to um, decreased vision. So that forced me to drop out of school. However, early adolescence for me, which was about 13 to 16, I was at home because I was told that there was a chance that I would be able to regain my vision, although not completely. So I spent a year and a half in Brazil for medical reasons. I did two surgeries there, however. Brazil? Yes, just across the border. I have family there, so I went there for, uh, I did two surgeries, as I said, and um, well, I came back home in 2011 because there was nothing more that they could do. The eye condition that I have is reoccurrent, so every time they try to do something, it always reacts and then goes back to being the same. So challenges for me would really be not being able to go out, socialize. I mean, 13 to 16, you want to hang with your friends, you want to you know, experience the world, talk about school things. And I was not given that opportunity. Wow. Wow. So you are a student at the university and a teacher. Tell us, tell us some of the challenges you 
faced and con still continue to face? Okay, well, I've been a student, I would say, since 2013 when I started CXC classes. Um, and I think sometimes I have a different perspective on challenges because for me, whenever I meet a challenge, for whatever reason, I may have that challenge, whether it's getting the work in an accessible format and so on. I don't really sit and dwell on it as a challenge. I just try to find a way as quickly as possible to overcome that. Um, as someone who's visually impaired, I have to use a screen reader on my computer. I use a screen reader on my phone. So all of the information that I'm receiving, I would need to have it as a digital copy. So when I was attending teacher's training college in 2014 to 2016, um, I think that was a challenge for me because I used to have to take the notes home, have a sibling read it to me and I would type it out. That was before I was able to afford better technology and apps and so on that would later assist me when I attended the university. Other than that, I had very supportive friends and we're friends up to this day, although we've graduated and teaching different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And the staff there was extremely important because I majored in English. Oh, so wow. the English department was extremely supportive. And I don't think I could have done it without them and family support and so on. And then in 2016 to 2018, I went on to the university and I completed my associate's degree in social work. Again, the problem there was exams, them not having exams available in an accessible format. They wanted me to use scribes, which I was completely against because my years at college, I never used a scribe. I typed my exams. However, I just managed to work along with it just to complete that. And now I'm completing my bachelor's in education. Wow. So you, as a teacher, may mm -hmm. I ask, where are you teaching? Okay, so I teach at the Ministry of Education unit for the blind and visually impaired. It's not a school. It's a unit that supports students who are blind and visually impaired and attending mainstream schools. So although I was trained as a mainstream teacher for the secondary school English A and B, or English Language and English Literature, I chose to work there because I felt like I could make an impact there with the students who were blind and visually impaired. That's great. So as a teacher, yeah. how challenging is the education system for persons with special needs in terms of the accommodations, the resources, the receptiveness of outsiders for those who don't have special needs, you know, how challenging is it? Um, before I begin with all the negatives, <laughs> I must say that I think as a culture, as a people, we have definitely made a step towards accepting persons with disabilities into our society because it's it's a lot more visible you have a lot more persons with disabilities out there going to school studying working doing things so people get used to seeing you around and then you just become a normal citizen or a typical person so we have definitely moved away from 
PWDs having to be home all the time and all the superstition that comes with it and all of that. However, although we have moved up away, <laughs> we still have a very long way to go um, for complete inclusion. With regards to the education system, again, it has definitely come a long way. The Ministry of Education has done a lot. We have a lot more special schools. You have a lot more um, workshops being done to educate persons about special ed and so on. However, my experience is that um, the first thing the mainstream teachers would say is that we were never trained for this. We don't know how to deal with a student who's blind or visually impaired. And that was the reason why our unit, the system at our unit, was to have the teacher sit in the classroom with the child to support them and to give them the necessary skills that they would need to eventually become independent in the classroom. Mm -hmm. However, with that, the mainstream teachers ran away with the idea that we were the students' babysitters <laughs> so whenever the students did not complete homework or assignments, they came to us and complain. <laughs> and um, during the exam periods, it would be extremely challenging because you would put in your request to have electronic copies of the papers, yet on the exam day, it's a whole lot of confusion and the students would have to end up using scribes. Oh, wow. Um, the teachers, I would say, don't really, don't necessarily make an effort to integrate the student in the classroom because the students themselves also, I think, have room for growth in terms of being integrated into a mainstream classroom. Oh. And with that, you know, they're always quiet, they don't participate, they don't interact most of the time with the other students, they're on their yes. laptops most of the time, isolated. And so the teacher would just, you know, leave them, don't call on them for anything or don't encourage them to participate, that kind of thing. Um, presently, I think we have about... I'm going to make a rough average here, but five students out in the mainstream school, secondary. We don't have any student currently at the primary level. Our oh. last primary student recently wrote the grade six, national grade six assessment. Okay. So September, he'll be starting out at the secondary school. Explain to us the national grade six uh, assessment. How does that work? Okay, so in grade six, a child is around 11 plus. And so the national grade six assessment, it used to be called a common entrance exam. Mm -hmm. That is where the student would write that exam and the results of the exam would determine what kind of secondary school they would attend. So it's their transition from primary okay. to secondary education. Okay, oh, interesting. Because that was that's what that was about to be my next question. I, I was going to ask you, um, how many persons who are visually impaired are enrolled at the secondary school, the mainstream, than the um, special unit? So tell me now, Rosemary, 
what are your teaching methods of teaching your students? Say, for example, you, you email in the notes, you do puzzle activities. How do you teach them in order for them to grasp the concept? All right, before I answer that, I just want to clarify that the numbers I gave you about five students, that's for Georgetown and that's for the students who are blind and visually impaired because you oh, don't have all okay. the students with other disabilities like yes. and so on, wheelchair users who are attending. And then you have other parts of Guyana where you do have um, students attending schools in their area. But that's just for Georgetown and students at our unit. With regards to teaching methods, um, Definitely an integrated approach, I think, is the most used approach for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the integration of ICT into a lesson is extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, the laptops help to bridge that gap that we have in terms of accessing information. So what I would do, I would prepare the notes ahead of time. So at mm -hmm. the start of the lesson, the students are given a note on a flash drive and they transfer to their computers. Their notes are maybe I have a video or a song or audio, something to complement the lesson. And then we go into discussions about the content. We look at a video and then, of course, we have activities to determine whether or not our objectives were achieved. So whether it is we do a fill in the blanks, an activity sheet, you play a game with them, or you just do verbal feedback. But all of the teaching methods that we use in the mainstream school would apply here. We just have to modify it a bit. For example, when we have diagrams, we need to make sure that we have tactile diagrams for mm -hmm. the students and that practical activities, they're given an opportunity to have that hands-on experience, okay. especially in subjects like home, home economics and agriculture science. Okay. Yeah. Demon, explain the home economics, how does it work? In terms of a subject or in terms of... Uh, uh, the subject the and hands-on, you know, how do those students grasp the concept? All right. Um, I will not speak extensively on no, 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 economics because that's done. not my area of specialization. Yes, yeah, but um, with home economics, of course, you have the theory and then you have the practice. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing food and nutrition, you learn basic stuff, food groups, nutrients and so on. And I believe another aspect of home economics is clothing and textiles. Yes. And you have home management. I believe those are the three areas, food and nutrition and the other two. So the teachers would usually go through the theory with the students and at the unit we have a kitchen with, although we have limited equipment and utensils, we still try to take the students into the kitchen and show them, you know, how you measure off ingredients or how you handle or how you practice safety in the kitchen mm -hmm. and so on. There's also a home ec lab at their mainstream schools, but I would not be able to say how much experience they get at that lab. No, that's understandable. Course, that's kind of an idea yeah. of how they, you know. Yeah. yeah because I know 
I, I am in this group called um, what's the name of it again? Blind and visually impaired support group and these students always say that um, Amazon is selling measuring cups, meat meters, uh, all those stuff that I just asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Before we wrap up, Rosie, what advice would you give to, first of all, teachers who are pursuing special education or those in the mainstream? I want to say that to them that I get it. You have a classroom of about 35 students to deal with, all with different backgrounds, all with different problems coming into you. And it may seem as an additional burden to have to deal with the child with um, special needs. I get that because I have my days where I get frustrated too. Um, But at the end of the day, you signed up for the job. And even if you don't like the job, the thing is you're being paid. And these students need your need your help they need your assistance and just as the other students are benefiting from your expertise this student could also benefit and all it takes is an extra step to make your lesson accessible to that student that's all you need to do make your lessons accessible make your notes accessible for that student and ensure that that student is able to participate in the classroom okay great and finally rosie what advice now would you give to persons with special needs i think i'm just going to say what everyone else would normally say with and it's true by the way it may sound cliche i'm able to say that i was there at a point in my life where i believe that nothing would happen and i would just be home a point in my life where I literally don't get time off or vacations because I'm so busy doing so many things. The first thing is surround yourself with positive people. The only way you'll be able to be successful is if you have supportive and positive people around you and that includes friends and family. Family support is a huge, huge part of being successful. Always remember also that you're a representation of your population. So how you carry yourself is how people will view other persons like you. So if you set a high standard and a good example for other persons, um, the society will eventually view persons with disabilities with those same standards and hold the same high expectations for them. So always remember that okay miss english teacher do you want to give us a new (laughs) word is there any new word in your vocabulary you want to share with us (laughs) or a new book literature book um well i just completed a book a novel actually i don't want to bore people with literature books (laughs) because we usually study very old books and plays and poems so um, I think this book was released this year. It's called The Silent Patient. I can't remember the author's name because mm-hmm. I just finished reading it yesterday. Oh. But it's, it's extremely, um, it's different, I think. Different from how modern writers would usually approach 
their stories and so on. So that's definitely a good book to try out. <laughs> okay. And you read your books uh, online or you have them audio or in, in Braille? Okay. Audio is the most preferred way of reading for me. However, some literature books, for example, when we do West Indian Lit, you may not find the audio. So I'll have to settle for buying the Kindle or maybe if I get the ebook PDF format or at one time I had to purchase the Nook book, oh. which is Barnes and Noble's app for reading. So it depends. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Wow, there you have it, guys. This has been the show Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. I'd like to thank my very special guest, Miss Rosemary Ramit from Georgetown, Guyana, for coming on the show despite her busy, busy schedule. I really, really do appreciate it, Rosie. You want to say hi to anybody in the world? Hi to everybody in the world. <laughs> no one specific. Just hi to everyone and thank you for having me you're most welcome remember guys you can find my show on the following 195theglobe.com core confidence radio on sundays at 7 a.m jamaica time and 12 noon with a rebroadcast on wednesdays at 12 noon jamaica time also on Caribbean Cultural Vibrations in Trinidad and Tobago on Thursdays at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Jamaica time. Anchorfm.net slash Culturama with Diva and Mixcloud.com slash Culturama with Diva. Also guys, in my last episode, I want to give credits to the YouTube videos that I presented on Jamaica's independence and America's independence. Thanks to the YouTube producers for producing the history of Jamaica's and America's independence. Remember guys, life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel good. Join me next week Sunday for musical slash entertainment industry where I will be interviewing Mr. Kareem Paul aka KMJ from Trinidad and Tobago. Blessings everybody. Try, try. A big thank you to my studio engineers Mr. Sidney Thorpe from Kingston, Jamaica Mr. Damien Rose from Kingston, Jamaica, and Mr. Gary Kemmer from Monroe, Louisiana. Thank you guys for ensuring that the production goes well. Oh, I'm alive.